Okay, welcome to the Dr. Vincent Buscemi podcast, the survival guide for dentists. We have a special guest today, Ellie. And how do you say your last name? Severance. 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 Ellie Severance is going to be a D4 at Creighton University Dental School. She's from Kansas City, Missouri. And she reached out to me because she is writing an article for wellness for dental students and was somehow fooled into thinking I could help her write this article. So Ellie's actually going to interview me today, and I'm going to give advice to students. However, before we start, Ellie, tell me a little bit about yourself. I know you're from Missouri, but like, mm-hmm. why do you want to be a dentist? Uh, I'm from Jefferson City, Missouri. Okay, great. Center of the state, and I'm a D4 at Creighton. And... I kind of made the switch to dentistry a little bit later in my career. I was about to be a junior in college. And then I kind of knew medical field and shadowed some people. And I didn't have just really enjoyed all the dentists that I've worked with in the past. Um, but whenever I'm part of ASDA, the Student Dental Association, and when asked to write an article about wellness, who better to reach out to than the dental wellness podcaster himself? <laughs> You're so nice. <laughs> so I feel like normally on your podcast, I'm a big fan. Normally on your podcast, you have gurus and specialists come on where you pick their brains. Today, I'm playing the Uno reverse. So I'll be asking you some questions. I love it. We play Uno with my kids. Yes. Yeah, we love that I thought game. that joke would land well with you. We love it. We <laughs> love it. So real quick, where did you go to undergrad? I went to Drake University okay. in Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. Very cool. So, yes. And you went to Michigan, correct? Not for undergrad. I wasn't smart enough to get in. I went to Oakland University for undergrad and then Michigan for dental school. Do you feel stuck on the financial hamster wheel? You keep paying on your debts like mortgages, car notes, student and business loans, but they never seem to disappear. My name is Dr. Howard Polanski, former dentist, now founder of Cashflow Coach USA. I guide families and business owners through a simple system to dramatically reduce your payment towards debt. You keep your same lifestyle and keep more money each month. A recent client will pay off their house in just seven months instead of the anticipated 20 years. Free 10-minute discovery call will determine if I can help you too. Go to CashflowCoachUSA.com, scan the QR code, or call 512-608-1020 to find financial freedom faster. Are you tired of using ineffective cosmetics and personal care products filled with harmful chemicals? Meet Ancestral Cosmetics and our range of highly effective products rooted in ancestral wisdom and made with edible ingredients such as beef tallow, olive oil, and raw local honey. Check out our best-selling tallow and honey balm for soft and smooth skin or our revolutionary tooth powder made from eggshells for effective teeth cleaning and whitening without any toxic ingredients. Free US shipping for orders over $50 and you can shop now at ancestralcosmetics.com. Okay. And Michigan is where you landed afterwards. Yeah, where I landed. I live 20 minutes from my parents, like seven minutes from my in-laws. And because we have so many kids, it works out really well. Yeah. Well, so we had kind of mentioned before the five pillars of wellness. So we have thoughts of mental wellness, physical wellness, relationships in your community type of wellness, financial wellness, and wellness in terms of time and managing that. I was just going to go ahead and get started with mental wellness. Is that okay? Yeah, I love it. Okay. Um, I feel like it's such a hot buzzword and everyone talks about burnout very stereotypical topic but i think it's talked about so often for a reason so what are some strategies uh, what are some strategies that you have integrated into your daily life 
that combat this effective burnout? I would say the first and probably most important thing is to be aware. Because how many kids in your class right now are depressed or they're anxious all the time? I think one of the early signs of burnout is going to be anxiety that like doesn't go away. So today is a Saturday morning, 6.30 in the morning where I live, 5.30 where you live. But think about like tomorrow, Sunday at like 2 p.m. Are you anxious to start school on Monday? Or can you actually relax from 2 p.m. for the rest of the day? That's one of, I think your generation calls it the Sunday scaries. Mine calls it the Sunday blues. I think that's like one of the initial warning signs. And if you have that, a really good strategy to start with that I thought was really stupid like six months ago is daily meditation. So what does that look like for you? Does it mean, well, maybe it's different for everyone, like going on a walk or sitting in a dark room for 10 minutes or journaling? So all those are great. I think that if you think about meditation solely, um, I meditate, I sit down, close my eyes. And I say, I follow a guided meditation by someone named Dr. Joe Dispenza. And it takes about an hour. So it's a huge time investment. But we live in an environment now where our brains are always turned on all the time. So Ellie, how many times have you like gone home after school and thought about something you said to a patient or thought about something that happened at school, you could not let it go. That's because our brain yes. is in sympathetic all the time. We need to be in a more parasympathetic, as you know, rest and digest more often than we're not. So meditation really helps take control of your brain and turn off the stress response when there's no acute stressor around us. I like that. That's good advice. I feel like we, we do carry stuff around with us all day from it's hard to leave it at school and just meditating seems like it can reset the mind. Um, so then linking back to school, anyone in dentistry knows how easy it is to compare yourself in your work to others. Maybe your classmate did better on an exam or someone else is doing more crown preps than you. Um, how have you avoided this in your career, both as a student and as a dentist? That is such a good question. So let me back up and tell your audience, I guess my audience, this. There was 105 kids in my graduating class. Ellie, if you had to guess... Where did I rank in those 105 kids? Well, you seem pretty successful to your viewers, but I don't know. 97. Top five. 97. 97. Out of 100. You said top five? Uh, wow. Oh, my gosh. You are so nice. So, and I'm not bragging about myself, but I graduated 97 out of 105. And now, 10 years later, I run a practice that is 100% free from insurance. So I run a fully fee-for-service cash-based practice, and I practice very high-quality biomimetic dentistry, very high-quality restorative dentistry. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because when I was in school, all I did was worry how much better everybody in school was. I got worse grades than everyone. I remember in pre-clinic, there was a kid next to me who we had a grading system, maybe different than you guys. It was like one to five. Like if you get a five on your prep, like it's an A plus. If you get a one, like you have to like go back to kindergarten. I was like constantly getting ones and twos in pre-clinic and he was getting fives. And I constantly, constantly felt insecure about my intelligence, my hand skills, my communication skills, and the only way to stop comparing yourself to other people is to stop comparing yourself. There's like no trick to it. You have to just understand that we're all in different journeys and people learn slower. I'm just a slow learner. But 
if you stick to the path and you're more concerned about the quality of your work, you'll be less concerned about how other people are performing. Right. That's, that's great advice. I, I feel like a lot of people really enter and it's like almost impossible to avoid. I feel like all students feel that, but I like that mind shift change. Um, okay. Is there anything else you want to add to mental wellness before we move on to physical wellness? Yes. So I'm on social media all of the time. However, social media is terrible for your brain. So we evolved in groups of like 150 people. Anything more than that is like too much information for our brain because we're hierarchical creatures. We always like, like you said, comparing to each other, who's higher, who's lower. And social media is not true. So everything we see on social media, even other dentists, other professions, they almost they only portray the good stuff in their life. And it's constantly making us feel bad. If I could go back, I would never engage in social media. I hope my kids don't engage in it. And for your own mental wellness, if you want a social media presence, you have to do something called post and ghost, where you basically just post what you want to post and then get off it. Don't scroll. Don't look at other dentists. Posting ghosts. Every, yeah, every other dentist I look at on Instagram, because I'm too old for TikTok, they all have like three Ferraris. They all do full mouth restorations. None of them ever have had a crown fall off or sensitive teeth. So get off social media, but if you want to get on it, just post and get out of there. We had a speaker come in for like a lunch and learn or something, and they were talking about um, if you are active on social media also to try and separate if you're into looking into the dental social media side, just kind of separate your social life and your dental stuff so then it's not all integrated in there but I think that's I mean I feel like it's impossible to find someone that's not guilty of being on social media way too much and it is I'm gonna use that uh post and ghost post and ghost yeah <laughs> I, just, I, that. I, I actually heard that from Joe Rogan um but <laughs> we'll just say I invented it so I'll have a patent that <laughs> Um, so then moving on to physical wellness, it's almost, dentistry is almost kind of sneaky whenever looking at the field, people don't realize how physical the career is and how hard it is on your body. So are there any, whenever looking at exercising, are there any specific exercises that are best geared specifically for dentists? Would you say? First of all, you said like the perfect phrase. It is sneaky how hard this profession is on our bodies. Real quick, I'm five foot ten, maybe five eleven with high heels on. When yeah. I was in dental school, I got all the way up to like two hundred and forty pounds, which is maybe a little more than fifty pounds that I weigh now. So it is so easy to gain weight in this job. It is so easy to be unhealthy, but your your whole posterior chain, your back, your neck, your lower back, your glutes, everything, take a beating. I always think like if there's like one exercise I had to do to like bulletproof my body, it would probably be, have you heard of the Turkish get up with kettlebells? Okay, I would try to, perform it now on camera, but I'd probably break my neck. I would say anything you can do that works your posterior chain. So I do a lot of resistance bands training and kettlebell training. And that really helps stabilize my muscles, my core muscles, my back and my neck, because you're bending over for the next 30, 40 years. And also cardiovascular health. I know it's hard to do resistance training and cardio health and eat your vegetables and get sleep. But it is so imperative 
to stay healthy and to keep your body strong. Yeah, I feel like it is asking a lot. Eating healthy, finding the time to exercise. It's mental wellness, but the so highlighting the posterior chain. Okay. Um, and then moving, kind of connecting into ergonomics. So they always talk about how every degree that your head is tilted forward adds like a certain number of poundage to your neck having to support your head. Um, but just ergonomics in general, are there any steps to that you have taken to improve ergonomics in your office? Or specifically any like practices or products that have helped you? I let me ask you a question real quick. In your school, do they recommend or require dental loops? I'm pretty sure it's required. Okay. Um Yeah, I can't think of anyone that doesn't have loops. But I'm I'm pretty sure it was required. When don't, I was don't quote in, me on that. We're, no, we're quoting. Yeah, we're putting that down. Okay. When I was <laughs> in school, it was only recommended. And because I'm such an idiot, I bought loops. And like for the first two weeks, I had trouble like adjusting to them. I just tossed them. So all of dental school and like my first two years of practice, I didn't wear dental loops, which is like I'm embarrassed to say that. But my first boss thought dental loops were also a scam. So I was like reinforced by someone else. But for ergonomics, if I can go back and tell younger Vince what to do, get dental loops. What magnification do you use? I think 3.5. Perfect. Um, I started with two and a half and I upgraded to four and a half. And I think loops is hands down one of the best ways to have better dental ergonomics. Loops. Okay. And I did, I was curious your opinion of the like, ergo chairs. We've had speakers come in and talk about those before too. Do you feel like it's worth the hype in your office someday? No. Um, I well, used I'm... an, uh, what was it a, a rep that told you that or was it another dentist? Um, it was a, it was a rep. Okay. So, um, <laughs> I have such a bias against these reps. I'm actually really good friend with my sales rep, but you always have to think in your mind, like follow the money, like they're human too. And for every dental ergonomic chair you buy, they can take like one more day of vacation. I use the dental ergonomic chairs and I don't think they help. If you have good ergonomics, you can sit on a regular chair. Of course, you can't be sitting in a lazy boy to do dentistry. But I had the saddle chairs. I had all these chairs. And once I got better loops and started working out, I could sit on a regular chair from Amazon. And my back has been fine since. Okay. Okay. Um, thank you. Is there anything else you want to add to physical wellness before we move on to community? Yes. I have a lot of friends that do yoga. My wife has chronic hip pain. She does yoga. Although I don't, that seems to be like a hit for dentists. If you can open up your hips and really stretch out your hamstrings and muscles, yoga seems to be good for mental and for physical wellness. You struck a chord. I teach yoga. You teach yoga. Yeah. Okay. So um, since you've been doing yoga, do you, cause you've been in the clinic for a year, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Do you find that your ergonomics is better since doing yoga? I feel like it makes me more aware during clinic. Like I, I just sit up and stretch more and kind of think about it. And then it's also nice in the mental way too, to take your mind off dentistry for a little bit and kind of reset in that way. But yoga, always plugging yoga. Good, um, good. Okay. Um, moving on to community and relationships, I think um, 
it's interesting that this is one of the pillars because we've chosen such an isolating career. Dentistry, especially if you're in a practice by yourself someday, I feel like you're just alone uh, so often. And there's also so many studies indicating the benefits of strong relationships and social networks, how they're linked to reduced anxiety and whatnot. Um, do you have any advice to combat this? Yes. So you, Ellie, you're, you hit it spot on. I'm a solo practitioner. I have five employees and it's very lonely at the top. When you're the only dentist, everything falls on you. It's very hard to stay motivated and positive when the only other person you can talk to is like yourself when you're there. So if I could stress anything, I think relationships out of the five things we're talking about today is got to be number one. And this isn't a religious argument, what I'm about to say, but I think human life is the most precious thing in the world, hands down. And connecting with other humans is going to be the best thing for your entire life always. So yes, relationships are going to be kind of the make or break, I think, for the rest of your career and your life outside of dentistry too. So do you feel like you try and connect to other professionals through like organized dentistry or through different community or just finding time outside of practice, I guess? Yes, I do. So I've talked about this in other podcasts, and I'm not sure if you've heard this one. When I was maybe five years out, I used to own a dental practice with two other dentists. And because I don't want to be sued, we'll just say we split. And in that corporate divorce, I lost close to $250,000. And I was depressed and I was sad and I was insecure and I had no support system. I had no other dentist I could talk to. I had a wonderful wife. My parents are alive. They're amazing. But I had no one on my level of professional and career that I could talk to. So actually, I went to a therapist. And he said, what you have to do is find other dentists in your age range just to talk to. And actually, I have two really good friends. They're both on Instagram. Kyle Palasic. He's a dentist in Lansing, Michigan, and Pete Buckus, he's a dentist in Minneapolis, and we have a text chain, and every day we text each other. We appreciate gratitude towards each other. It's not even dental stuff. It's just life stuff. So if I can give advice to you, like, yes, you can go to your communities, but like, get two or three intimate friends you can talk to every day about anything, and that will be like the first step in combating isolation within our field. And they say quality is more important than quantity. So you have your two close friends, and that's that's great. 100%. Um, so it's no secret, so you're a practice owner. It's no secret that owning a practice is a huge investment, especially when it comes to time. How do you balance your relationship with family? I mean, you have four girls. Four How do you balance... <laughs> For um, how do you balance your family and your friends and your podcast while also running a practice? I have no idea. Um, do you by <laughs> by by podcasting at five thirty in the morning? I think is how you. <laughs> yeah. Do you know who Thomas Sowell is? He's a economist. Mm -mm. Okay, so I guess depending if you're like left leaning or right leaning, he could be controversial. But he has like the best like piece of advice for all phases of life. There are no solution. There's only trade-offs. So both me and you had 24 hours during the day. And the first thing I always do is you have to block off seven or eight hours of sleep. Block it off. And then do you, do you know who David Goggins is? 
No. That's okay. That's okay. These are all, I must be just old enough that the people I listen to are different than you. So he says, basically, if you want to achieve your goals, you have to block off your day minute by minute. So although sleep maybe isn't more important than my family, if I don't get to sleep, I can't enjoy my family. So once you block off sleep minute by minute based on your values, block off time for other things during the day. That's the only way to do it. So you have to sacrifice other things to put in what's valuable for you. And that's basically like time management 101. Nailed it. Like in in dental school too, balancing, trying to have a life and studying and everything. So that's good advice, blocking out everything. Just planning out your day because it's so easy to just be like, what happened to the last hour? You're scrolling on Facebook or something. So just prioritizing the right things. So let me ask you. So because time management needs to be driven by values, what are some of your values that get that maybe dictate your time management? What do you invest in your time in? I'm always trying to find that right balance. I feel like I value my mental stability. That's why I went through the yoga teacher training during my D1 year, actually. Um, So I feel like finding that time, even it's just an hour out of the day, but going to yoga classes just makes me feel like a better human and then more productive in the rest of the day and also trying to do well in school and prioritizing that. And I feel like prioritizing kind of fluctuates sometimes. I just took boards a few weeks ago and I found out yesterday that I passed. Good for you. Thank you. Lately I've put more time and value into studying and preparing for that. But now probably lay off that for a little bit. Um, and family, like we had talked about, is also a high priority in friendships. So uh, was there any anything else about relationships in your community that you want to add? Not so much in the community. I would say that, and the research proves this too, basically your marriage will like make or break everything in your life. A good marriage will help you live longer. A bad marriage will help you die faster. <laughs> so if you can, honestly, you're not old enough yet, but I'm in the phase of my life now where some of my friends are actually starting to get divorced, which is like very sad. So I heard a really good quote actually from a patient. All the time you put into working more to make more money, if you get divorced, all the extra money you made you lose in the divorce. And I know life's not only about money, but the most important thing for you, Ellie, and for like everybody listening is your family. Dentistry should always come like fourth in your life. Your career should be, it should be like, if you believe in God, God's number one. If you don't, that's okay. Then family's number one. You're in there number two. Maybe yoga's three. And like dentistry's four. So like your relationship to your family should always supersede your relationship even to your patients and to your career because you need to draw boundaries or else if you go back to that burnout part, you're going to be burnt out right away and then you won't be able to take care of the most important people, which are your family. I like that. Thank you. Um, And then into the next pillar financial stability. Here's kind of more of the buzzwords and the crippling debt that students leave school with. Do you have any advice for dental students who are graduating with the staggering amounts of debt? And do you feel like it's best to chip away at it as fast as possible and live like a college student for a few years? Or do you feel like it's better to prioritize 
continuing investing in yourself, like CE, or maybe a mix of everything. And also, I know everyone is different, like someone who's just graduating themselves versus supporting a whole family of five um, has to have different monetary priorities. There's so many schools of thought. Do you know who David Ramsey is? Yeah. You Finally, do, we got one, one I know. <laughs> one you know. Well, you're, I guess, is Missouri considered the South? Um, yeah. I feel like it's considered pretty South. Okay. We I think say we're South. Like everything South of like Toledo, in my opinion, is the South. Because <laughs> you're way up North. Yeah, I'm in Michigan, which is we're way up here. It snows basically in September. So, um, I kind of fall in line with Dave Ramsey. I think debt is like the antithesis to freedom. Of course, there's good debt and bad debt. And is education good debt? That's debatable. Is buying a business good debt? Yeah. So, good debt is an investment in an asset that hopefully makes you more money one day. Bad debt is like some dental CE or some like you buy a big screen TV or you buy a Corvette that is a liability that will only lose you money. So I shouldn't be given financial advice. I, I don't follow anything I'm about to tell you, but if I graduated dental school tomorrow, I would live as low like financially low overhead as possible. If I could convince my wife, because we got married after dental school, I would like move back in with my parents. And I would try to reduce or eliminate the debt as fast as you can. Okay. Um, and I did listen to your episode with Tess Vigo. Did I say her name right? Yes. The um, financial, I forget what exactly she called herself, but um, financial specialist, I'll say. Perfect. At what point would you say that you should hire, or for those who are not as financially savvy who want to have a financial specialist help manage their finances, at what point would you recommend hiring one? So, very good question. We have to ask kind of like a values question before. So do you know the difference between mutual funds and index funds? Not really. That's okay. I like just learned this like this morning as I drove in, I listened to a podcast. I'm joking. Um, So <laughs> when you invest in index funds, they're passively managed meaning you don't pay someone to actively move around your stocks and invest for you. And the fees to get in that type of investment is lower and you don't need a financial advisor. The next level is called mutual funds, which they're actively managed, which you have to engage in someone like Tess to help invest for you. And there's debates what's better or not better because the fees are higher with mutual funds and the fees are like tests, although I don't use tests, I use someone else, they take 1% of your investment as their income. Index funds, you don't take any, they don't, no one takes your money, but you're doing it on your own. So you kind of have to weigh, is the money, the 1% worth someone managing it? In my opinion, yes. So there's this book called, I think it's called Inevitable wealth, simple wealth that talks about mutual funds and equities. And to answer your question, I would either start index funds or mutual funds the day after you graduate, even if you're putting like $5 away a month, because compound interest will give you more money back if you start at 24, or if you start compared to starting like 48. So to answer your question, when should you engage? Yesterday. If you have money in dental school, which nobody does, I had nothing. I still have nothing. I would in, I would start putting money away for retirement immediately. And that's either in index funds or mutual funds. 
Investing early. Okay. Um, was there um, was there anything else you wanted to add about financial stability or yes. financial wellness? So I work with a consulting company called the Scheduling Institute. Have you heard of them? The Scheduling Institute. Mm -mm. Okay. I think they just changed their name to Practice Growth Institute. They've been around for 25 years. In my opinion, I think most consultants are garbage. These people are not. But they gave us really good advice on financial success. So when I was in dental school, I was consumed with the idea of like hitting that investment home run. Like I'm going to graduate dental school, invest in TikTok, and then make like $12 trillion. That's, that's one way of doing it. I had my brother-in-law worked with somebody that invested in cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and made $10 million and quit his job. However, that's probably not going to happen for most of us. So you can either hit home run or a grand slam to be successful and wealthy or hit base hits. And base hits in dentistry is having a high income and putting away a couple thousand a month towards your retirement. And in my opinion, that's the more predictable way to get wealthy. I remember that from your podcast with Tess talking about how um, that is the most reliable and successful way to become wealthy is through your paychecks and not through Bitcoin or things like that. Mm -hmm. um, thank you. And then, uh, so the last one being healthy in terms of your time. And I know we kind of already touched on it a little bit and how your values drive what you do with your time. But time is one of the most valuable commodities a dentist has. How do you max? Well, I guess you already kind of talked about how you schedule out um, down to the minutes of your day. Um, but do you have anything else to add about maximizing your schedule and your time in your office? I do. Um, and that goes back to boundaries. And as you like develop as a dentist, you'll have to, and this took me a very long time to do this, you'll have to develop the ability to say no to patients. So I would say I'm 10 years out now. Three years ago, I stopped doing dental implants. I didn't love it. I stopped doing root canals. I stopped doing extractions. So if you wanna like maximize your time, because remember time, like if you're worrying outside of work or you're stressing outside of work, you're losing time. So if you only do the procedures you want to do, you will be more efficient in your office because it's more predictable. You'll be less stressed outside the office and you'll be having more fun to be like maximizing your time. So I think in the office, a really good way to maximize time is to only do procedures that you want to do. And it seems like you've found your niche with the biomimetics and mm -hmm. the aesthetic work and oh that's great do you have any advice for new grads or students in dental school on how to increase their efficiency in the transition from school to the real world yes and we talked about this i think on the phone but when you graduate from dental school, you're going to be a terrible, terrible, terrible dentist. But everyone was. If people say they weren't, they're lying to you. I told you this on the phone. I was fired from my first job. And he says I was like the least clinically prepared dentist he's ever worked with. And maybe he was right. But the only way to get more efficient is just repetition. You have to keep going back to work and keep trying to get better but you have to have the mindset that you're not good and I would slow down so let me ask you a question Ellie how long does it take you to prep a crown in pre or not pre-clinic in dental school well we technically schedule them for four hours but hopefully it doesn't take that long like 
two hours and maybe two hours or three hours and then with all the doctor checks coming in to check oh you have an undercut there or whatnot it it takes a long time in school at least so let's say you had it was just you and one clinical advisor and from numbing the patient to either to to temping so what the whole appointment how long do you think it would take to prep a crown put a temp on and send them out Put me on the spot. Let's say three hours. Three hours. So your first boss will hate me for telling you this. Schedule three hours when you're in the real world. You you're not going to make a lot of money doing two crown preps a day, but when you're on your own, you're going to need that much time to navigate hygiene checks, navigate the patient, navigate any situation that comes up. I wish I could go back and tell myself slow down because you're going to get more efficient just by getting better, but do not rush procedures in the beginning. That is great advice. And then just taking it slow, right? Whenever you get out, was there any like CE or anything that specifically talked about time? And I forgot who it was. Um, but do you know the website dental town? Is that still a thing? Yeah, I've heard of it. And then okay. I've listened to some of him with Farhan. Or what's his name? Howard. I think Howard, Howard. Farhan. Howard Farhan, yeah. So they have a like a forum board, I think, where I used to go on it a lot. But there was some dentist on there talking about, I'd rather have a patient leave my chair because things are going right but taking too long than a patient leave the chair because it went really fast, but you did poor work. So, and that's such a mental game. It is so anxiety producing to be in that chair and the patient's, ah, this is taking forever. But like, you, you got to, like, ah. yeah, well, let me just tell you this. As soon as you get out, your assistants are going to be pushing you around if they have experience. And it's so freaking annoying. I don't think any dental assistants listen to this, but they are, so, some can be so mean to young dentists. Don't let anybody rush you in the real world no patient no office manager no assistant the assistant works hourly wage so they get paid their three cents an hour regardless if it takes you one hour to prep a crown or three so you tell the assistant to shut the heck up and you're going to take your time to do a good job that words of wisdom <laughs> coming at us from vince <laughs> Um, I had a few more, um, that weren't really under any category, but, um, di uh, okay. If you were to go back and redo dental school, is there anything that you would do differently? Yes. So I was in dental school at university of Michigan, the same years. My wife was in law school there. So law school is three years. So she graduated one year before me. If I could go back in early dental school, I would have spent less time studying and more time enjoying life. It's interesting that you say that. I feel like that's a common theme around people, even like seniors now. It's like, why are we stressing so much about that? project in the first few weeks of school it's like that was something so simple back then we were losing sleep about it and just that's good advice and the second one for that is i would have i gained like 40 or 50 pounds my first year because for me i don't like do drugs or drink alcohol to de-stress it's food so you're very smart to establish your yoga practice and teaching. I wish I would have established a physical routine much earlier in my dental school career than later. So getting on the routine of healthy habits early on in dental school, even when it seems so stressful. Mm -hmm. um, and then one of my favorite of your episodes was rock bottom. And we kind of talked about that over the phone. What do you do when you 
do hit rock bottom. I know in that episode, you kind of talked about the mind shift change. Was there anything else specifically? Would you say whenever you hit rock bottom? Absolutely. Do you know the cognitive principle of reframing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you think you, because although in the episode that was maybe one of the lowest points I've been in my life, I have four beautiful girls. And during that entire time I was at the lowest point, all of them were healthy. All of them were doing well in school. My wife was healthy. So when you think you hit the bottom, you have to reframe and you have to practice a little gratitude for the things maybe you're taking for granted. So let's say, I don't know what's going on in your life. Let's say you fail three exams and you find out your dog has cancer. Like if you like really reflect on that, all that's very sad, but maybe your parents are still alive. Maybe you're not paralyzed. So you have to kind of flip and say, I'm grateful that I can walk. I'm grateful I'm not blind. And it seems silly, but like if you went blind tomorrow, you can't be a dentist. Or if you lost a leg, you can't do this. So you have to really get down to the nitty gritty and write out what you're grateful for and flip the situation because it could always be worse. And maybe include that in the hour of meditation. Yeah, I know yours is like guided meditation, but stick it during that time and just think of that's such a good point. There's so much to be grateful for. And I feel like I'm guilty of it too, just taking so much for granted. So practicing gratitude every day. And thinking about how much your life would be different if you went blind tomorrow. And one time someone told me, imagine if the only thing you had tomorrow was what you're grateful for today. Ooh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's really good. Yeah. So it really makes you think. But... um. Okay, I think that's all I have. Thank you so much again for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Sharing your wisdom with the future dentists of America. So let me ask you a question, because you're going to be a D4, right? Mm-hmm. What is some advice you would give to a D1 entering school? I align with your with your advice of how you were like I wish I well it's good to take advantage we pay so much to be in school we want to take advantage and get the most out of it but there are just so many projects and things and exams that I wish I didn't stress so much about just reminding yourself that everything will be okay. And you made it into dental school and you should be so proud of yourself. And to take, you to take care of yourself and to, yeah, to not stress and carry all that anxiety around. That's really good. So looking into the future as you're graduating, what are your plans after dental school? See, that's a, that's a scary thought. Maybe I should say if any of your, of your listeners in the Midwest are looking for an associate here after I told them it takes me three hours to do a crown, (laughs) but but I'm still um, searching for a job, but I do, I am thinking in the Midwest somewhere. Are you thinking... Like any like Michigan, Illinois, Ohio, Midwest? Or are you thinking like just Missouri? I'm probably thinking Missouri. Yeah. Okay. So if there's but anyone I'm still, listening, I'm still open minded. Okay. Places, but well, I, I guess I told you on the phone yesterday. You should live as close to your parents as possible. So is it Jefferson City? Yeah. So it's kind of central Missouri. Okay. If there's anyone within an hour of central Missouri, please reach out to Ellie Severance for an associateship. She's very sweet. I can tell she's good, and I promise she'll only take two hours and 45 minutes for her first crown preps out of school. (laughs) Working on that. But (laughs) thank you so much for having me and taking this hour 
out of your day, your busy schedule. And I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So let me just say this. You are like leaps and bounds above where I was when I was a D4 entering school. You are, you're intelligent, you're articulate, you're very sweet. Whatever you do after dental school, any owner would be lucky to hire you as an associate. So I'm so impressed with you and I think you're gonna do great things. Thank you so much, Vince. That means a lot. That means a lot. Good. Um, scary light at the end of the tunnel out there. Good. Like we were talking about on the phone. <laughs> Uh-huh. But I I'm excited. I every day I think that we have chosen the best career out there. I wouldn't have chosen any other way. Good. And keep thinking that cuz days will get hard, but I think you're right too. Mentality, mind shift. Good. Positive aspects of dentistry. But thank you so much. Yeah, so we'll sign off here. And um, let me ask you, are you on social media? Yeah, I have Instagram. I was going to look you up after this, actually. Yeah, um, can, do you mind telling my guest your Instagram handle and how they can kind of like follow you and reach out to you? I am Ellie Sev on Instagram, E-L-L-I-E, Sev, S-E-V, all one word. Um or Ellie Severance on Facebook, E-L-L-I-E, Severance, S-E-V-E-R-A-N-C-E. -E. And I'm here with ASDA, District 8, um, as the wellness chair. So, all right, I guess I could say my email, just my last name dot first name at gmail.com. Perfect. And only reach out to Ellie with positive things. If anyone pesters her, you're off the podcast. Okay. Well, Ellie, thank you again for coming on and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you so much, Vince. All right. Bye-bye.